the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions with Renee Paquette. This is where we mash up the best of the week. We take our interviews from Tuesday and Thursday, what those episodes were. We take those highlights. We put them together all here in one convenient place for your listening pleasure. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy what we've put together here for you guys. And if you want to go back and listen to these interviews in their entirety, you can do that right here where you're listening as it is. Um, so anywhere you guys are listening to podcasts, you can go back and find those full length interviews. But otherwise we've, uh, we've done a little bit of heavy lifting for you and gave you guys some of the highlights from what, from what you want to hear But you know, we're so lucky with all the amazing guests that we have on oral sessions that I'm sure if you're fans of these people, you're going to want to go back and hear more of their story here, more of who these people are and what makes them tick and what has led to their success, all that fun stuff. Um, I love what I get to do here and I love getting to chat with all these interesting and fascinating people. It's a hell of a time. And yeah, now we just get to do a little best of here on the weekend. So here we go. Let's get into it. Here's the best stuff from this week on oral sessions. You get into comedy, you like it. What was your first stand-up experience like? And how do you like, how do you get better as a stand-up comic? Because like you said, you've been, you know, doing it for 10 plus years. Before, you, so you're doing it 10 years before you did America's Got Talent? But it was funny. It's like you go on and that show makes it look like you just walked off the of street course. and onto, oh, wow, I'm at the stage. And then people are, and then people are like, I was a fan of yours since day one. I'm like, where, fucking, when? You're 10. <laughs> <laughs> they think that you just walk on stage and just say what you're thinking. No, they don't get that this is years of material that you worked on, and like people just don't understand the art. People don't understand, like you said, wrestling is like on the low end of respect. They end up is like way lower than that of just understanding. And well, it's it's just like it's such a slow burn until you're good at it, and to not just want to throw in the towel after a while because it is it takes such a long time to be good at that. I mean, same kind of way of like. Professional wrestling, I feel there's so many ins and outs and little nuances to to make you exceptional at what you do. Like how how do you kind of refine your craft? I'm sure you, you relate in everything that you do too. Like you have to have some kind of super self confidence. What's weird is like the first time I was on stage, I did a comedy workshop thing, and then like the, I didn't tell my family, I didn't invite anybody. You could never. Like, you could never. I can't handle it like that. Also, because I was I was really shy and quiet and home, and like they don't know me like that, and like I just couldn't handle like. Isn't weird there's something really interesting about that about like who you are at home versus like who you feel like you want to be on the inside and trying to like break away and do that it's ballsy it's like that's very nerve-wracking so i did the comedy workshop and it went killer so i didn't find anybody but it, it went as good as possible but i'm 17 talking about like i've been cleaning sober for 17 years if i had a fake idea i'd go vote great classic this. <laughs> But the crowd was so extra supportive because they're just like worried for you sure. and like whatever. So you get you get laughs fifty times more than you yeah. Because really if you did that at twenty five, they'd be like, "Fuck this guy, he's been around." Like <laughs> you do that, you walk in there as a kid, and people want you to succeed. That's that's smart. I missed that. That was cool. You got that bonus. Like it's like time for walking in the comedy to, club. People just like yeah to so, be the young new thing young. on the scene again. <laughs> what I'd give throw me yeah. back to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So like, I, so then, but then as an artist, like, I, rem I remember like this, this woman, rest in peace, her name was Sandy Seashore. Shut the fuck up. 
Polly Shore's sister. Are is this real? Yeah, completely real. And uh, I was waiting for another punchline to hit there. So I was like hesitant. I'm like, am I taking the bait on this? No, she also did. She was a comedy coach for, um, you know, Sebastian Maniscalco took her class like 20 okay. years ago. You know, Sebastian. Yeah, oh, he's amazing. Yeah. In my head, like, I'm amazing. Like, I was literally outside being like, I'm I'm a rock star. Like, this is, I'm so good. And then she walked up to me. She was like, in six months, you're going to be like embarrassed by everything you just did. And like, it wasn't a good job. It wasn't anything. And I was just like, ew. But that's really, that's, what I got from that class, like, that's the best thing I got from that class, honestly, was that wisdom. Because, no matter how good I ever think I am, if I look back and I don't have a little bit of embarrassment, that means I'm not getting better. That's an interesting point, but that makes me feel like nervous to like to feel that way all the time. Feeling embarrassed about shit that you did, uh, you know, six months ago. That makes me ner- I don't that's why I don't watch any of my shit back. I forever just become a shell of myself. I'd be nervous to say anything at that point. So like, you're an idiot and you're going to look back on this and wish you didn't say it. I hear you. And that's maybe not the best word to use. Like, uh, but it's also truthful for me too, honestly. Like it is a, that's a thing about being an artist, stand-up comedian. It's like, it's, you're never done. You're never there. So it's, it's really like, it's just a whole, you're trying to fill a bucket that's never full. And it's just like, it's just uh, really unhealthy in all the ways. But like, like you do an, an hour special, you record an album. You're like, oh, now I have to do another one. Then it's like, I got another one, and then another one, and then it's How like... How stressful. It's terrible. I need to get out of it, honestly. Like, this past <laughs> year, I've been like, what's a good pivot? Like, uh, I have no talent, I have no skills for anything, but... Isn't that scary when you hit a certain point and you're like, well, I'm committed to this career now. I have no other skill set, so now what? So I moved to L.A. when I turned 18, and that was like, you're not supposed to move to L.A. You're in the comedy, but like, the whole thing was to become the best comic in your town, then you move, whatever. So it was irresponsible in ways to move to L.A., but... I moved, I got to go to college out here. For, that was an excuse for my family going to college. But then the thing about being in LA is like, you're doing an open, shitty open mic, but then Zach Alfanaka still needs stage time and Sarah Silverman still, still needs stage time. There's only a few comedy clubs. So they would drop in and like, it's like jumping to the deep end of the pool. Like, I loved it. It was so cool to me. And like, so, and then I got Montreal Comedy Festival when I was 19. I got on Craig Ferguson. Oh. He used to be a James Corden show. You know, you, know, you get it. So if anyone's bored, you can watch me when I was 20 on late night TV doing like the same joke. Uh, I've been clean over for 20 years, you know, and like the same thing. For a comedian to go on late night, have you heard about the process? It's no. You send jokes and then they go, that joke's racist. That joke's not funny. That joke's out of date. They're like, I like this, but not this. What's this? They they dissect your act in a way that they don't do with singers at all. Like Whoa. they take ownership of your, they, they make, they make you jump through all these hoops and like. I could show you emails of just like, they're like, oh, I only like these jokes. I'm like, okay, well, I sent you six minutes of jokes and you approved four minutes of jokes. Can we like, it's four and a half minutes for late night. Can we hop on the phone tomorrow and just finalize it? You know, it's always six months later. It's like, oh, whatever. I've had them approve more than four, four and a half minutes of jokes. And like, send me another tape. But I'm like, we have it here, buddy. And like, then it's like, okay. Okay, standards and practices approved your set. We just have to figure out a date. Wow. I had no idea. I thought you just went on and did your thing. No, it's it's very exhausting. America's Got Talent is easier to, to get jokes through on, on primetime family television than on late night shows. Wow. Like, I That's jokes fascinating. 
that they wouldn't they disapproved of on uh late night what a weird time man it's fucking wild yeah it is it's stressful it's very stressful I, it's stressing me out even talking about it to be honest <laughs> sorry but, because i don't even know you don't even know like how to navigate having the conversation about it you know like it's sort of you, you know no one ever wants to be the one to like say the wrong thing or have like the wrong point of view on something or whatever but yeah it makes it so like it's just such an interesting time like as uh, as a comedian as somebody that's like interviewing people like it's yeah no one knows what to touch on and what not it it's very it I just feel like it makes everything so generic because nobody knows what to say it's so weird and even like like for comedians, like there's comedians blowing up on Instagram now by posting clips of the of TV spots and like live shows. There's like like a minute clip of a joke with subtitles, and like I'm like my best footage is from America's Got Talent. But like my biggest, the reason I was I got to second place, and I I I they bring me back for stuff is the attention I got from like this joke that's like a racial joke. I said this as someone trying to get to the next round. I'm not trying to sabotage myself. And I know, and Mel B's a black person. I'm trying to get her to like me. So I, I'm, this is 2013. I'm not an idiot. I'm not trying to sabotage myself. But I had some joke where I said, um, if I have kids one day, I'm going to make sure that they grow up being friends with every color of the rainbow. That means no black people. Terrible. And then I added, or white people. But yeah. like, that's the thing. It's just right. a joke. It's just a stupid... And like, I, I started saying, I'm not racist. I just want to make that clear. Like, and then here's my point. Yeah. It's more yeah. racist. It's comedy. But she liked, and Nick Cannon's the host. Like, I'm not, and there's producers, like, and it's a family show. And they, they cut out another joke, but they put that in. They, they aired it, you know? Then I have another joke that's like so ridiculous. And like, but like, it's, and I did it twice. Can I just share? I hate to record a joke, but it's kind of a funny story, man. Yeah, bring it. The joke was like, my friend got a labradoodle, the dog's father's four pound black poodle dog's mother 60 pound white labrador retriever that's a huge size difference but i guess it proves a stereotype that black poodles love fat white bitches so i'm a good person i these are not all my jokes we're talking about this specific it just sounds like i'm like the guy who only does jokes like this but like i did it on america's got talent and it got a big like standing ovation in radio city musical and they can it's like you're fine like this is cool and like and it's like a cute joke it's ridiculousness you know but then in the finale, we had to recreate an act that we already did before, and like I fought really hard to like do something really special and weird, and it's very scary. But like I was like, let me do something ridiculous. There's an opera group, and they have a they have a opera or what do you, like a chorus of people behind them. Let my shtick be like I got them back, and to do a punchline. This would never fly now. But like I had a, a chorus of people say my punchline, I pointed them, and they go, black poodles love fat white bitches. <laughs> and then fireworks go off, and I wave an American flag. Like, I did that on NBC Family Show. Like, there's no way you could do that now. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that's not a bad thing. Sure, but that's just, it was okay at the time. <laughs> yeah, it's just, yeah. And, like, but, like, I never had one person say that's racist either, by the way. Like, honestly, like, it just, I don't think I would even try to do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even start the conversation. I'd just be like, this is, for like, for a comment, I kind of lean into, is it worth it? Before I let you go, um, you, what is this love connection you have with Heidi Klum? What happened? Because she is truly one of the most beautiful women of all time as, I mean, fuck, obviously that's not new information I'm spewing out, but what happened? She was the judge on the show as her first season and, uh, the first, there's like two, the audition episode, then the second one, then the first live show, Radio City Musical, I told my jokes, and then um, 
it went fine. It wasn't like stellar. Like I, they maybe changed my punchline at the last second. They said you can't say condom. Can't say condom. Why can't you say condom? Why is that offensive? We're talking safe sex here, people. Thank you. Spread the word. And then I made a mistake. I said uh, I could say prophylactic. Then I was like, no, 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 no. And then then I I took it back at three seconds. Then the producer came back. They said you could say prophylactic. I'm like, no. And they're like, well, Howie says it's funny. I'm like, oh, fuck. And this is where I was like, I, I don't want him to not like me. And then also, this is when I thought the show was rigged still. Uh, so I was like, I don't want to piss off the producers because yeah. like, I should just go with the flow a little bit. And um, unfortunately, it's not rigged. But I go out there and I told these jokes. And then uh, and then uh, Heidi was just like, and it went well, fine. And then Heidi was like, I think you're inappropriate for children. I would never take my kids to see you. And it really fucked me up, honestly. Like, it like hurt my feelings and made me sad. And I felt, I felt terrible. I just imagined, like, all these... It's my first live TV thing. Like, it's a big deal. And, like... I just imagine like parents covering their kids' eyes, or I don't know why they cover their eyes instead of their ears, but <laughs> uh, but like don't look at that man. And, <laughs> and then I was like trying to think of like what do I like? I have I'm a comic. I have like a I can destroy a heckler easily. That's one of my unhealthy skills. Is I can say the meanest thing I, I could possibly say at any time to somebody <laughs> that gets a reaction. And like this show is better to be liked than to be mean funny. Okay, it's better if the crowd like the people voting like me. The crowd booed when she said that, so it got me, like, that attention you don't get on these competition shows. Like, I got, like... You became sympathetic. People were, like, fight, having opinions on me now. It wasn't just, like, a lot... The comedians who get kicked off the show faster, like, four standing ovations. Good job, you're great. Thank you. They don't get voted on. But, like, I got people to vote, like, fuck you, we think he's good, you know? So then the next round, my whole premise was, like, Heidi Klum um, says, I don't have a kid-friendly act, so I wrote a whole kid-friendly act for her, but it was all like, here's a dog joke, and then I told a labradoodle joke, and like, here's a joke about camels, I saw a camel onto the zoo, I saw a camel, hope she's a nice person, oh, I saw a camel, I had really tiny humps, hope she's a nice personality, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just like, it's just, so, but then she played along, and she was so fucking rad, and so cool, and so, um amazing to play along and be like the the, the nice the bite of my jokes yeah. but like it was all with love and she she bantered back and forth and every every show from then on we had like a thing and she played it up and they brought me back to do stuff with her and like she's the reason that i got through and they've been i'm on i'm we just taped a thing i'm gonna be on the the finale of AGT Wednesday. i think that's before this airs probably so like they bring uh, years later they bring it's all because of her so go back in time if uh you want to see it but i if anyone's bored on my website taylorwilliamson.com i have all the i have all the uh episodes people can watch but uh yeah i'm, I'm very grateful and like i'm hustling i'm trying to figure out my next thing i've had some pilots and like this business is you know it's a fucking yeah. gnarly business so in the meantime, especially coming out of a pandemic, like, um, it's, I'm so grateful to get, like, when you ask me to do your show, like, it's, I'm not blowing smoke, like, I'm, a fa- I respect you. the hell out of you, and uh, it means the world to me that you asked me to do it, and, like, it's, you know, it's like, this past year, I'm like, wh- who am I, what am I, am I just a guy who has dogs now, I just, I just, like, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> think, I think a lot of people have gone through it, I feel like I kind of went through the same thing, it's like, I quit WWE, and then I kind of, you know, and then I got pregnant right after, and then I'm like, oh my god, wait, am I just, like, at home being a mom, like, what am I doing now, what's my next move, what's the pivot, so it's, actually been really nice to be able to do a show like this and be able to work with the volume and i just started a new serious show so it's cool to be able to do these shows from home thanks but yeah it's very much so like what am i doing what's happening you know i was trying to find that footing again and like you said it's weird during a pandemic waiting for like stuff to open back up again and when our show is going to start casting again all that kind of shit that 
is just uh, makes everything feel a little unsure. What makes me feel better, though, is finding out that many people feel the same way. Yeah, we're all just lost. (laughs) Except for my wrestler friends. They literally have had the best year. And the the ones I've talked to, like... Yeah, they've been doing good. They don't... I don't think they know that there's a pandemic. Like, this one guy's like, I'm in LA, let's go get dinner. I'm like, what are you... This is like like nine months ago too. I'm just like, what is going on? They're just like he's, they're like doing like wrestling matches at Seven Eleven, like goofing around, making funny videos. I'm just like, what is going on? There's just there's two universes. There's LA and then wrestlers, but I love them. Though. Yeah, they're great. They're great people. I love them too. <laughs> well, Taylor, thank you so much for coming on the show and showing me your sweet little dog Betty. Oh my goodness! Yes, there she is. There's that little bat lady. It was great chatting to you. This was fun. It was like a, this was just the palate cleanser that I needed to just have a conversation and shoot the shit. I really appreciated it. Um, Okay. So before we got on here to do this podcast of uh, a non-wrestling episode of oral sessions, which is a breath of fresh air. I love wrestling. Obviously it's like the, the basis of what this podcast essentially is. But that was never the main base of it. We were always supposed to like branch out and have on other people. We've had on actors and uh, musicians and, you know, athletes from other sports and all that. But we've been very wrestling heavy, which makes sense because there's been so much going on in the world of wrestling that like we have to capitalize on that stuff. And I love being able to have on friends to give them a platform to be able to talk and have a conversation. I love that. I, I love being able to do that. But I'm feeling a little burnt out on it right now. And I can feel it. I can feel it when I listen back to the shows that I feel like I'm kind of going through the motions a little bit. So this is a nice little palate cleanser. After Phil. Yeah. Because that's how he introduced himself. Yes. So he was like, hi, I'm Phil. Well, it'd be weird if he said, hi, I'm CM Punk. Well, well, sometimes they just say, hi, I'm Punk. Hi, like whatever. Like, you know, like. Yeah. I, like, I, mean, I don't know what to call John when I'm here. It's like, do I call him John? Do I call him Mox? Do I call him Dino? Like, what do we call him? <laughs> you know, do I pull Rick, a flare? Rick will call him Dean. Yeah. There's still lots of people that will call him that to me. But that's the funny thing with wrestling is you kind of always call someone the name in which you met them as. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like even like, like with Brody. I didn't know that like everyone just called him that, but like so many people would call him Luke. I could never call him like that. so many people would, but like, I didn't know him as Brody Lee, but I, I call him Brody. Yeah. He was Brody. Yeah. That was it. It was just Brody. That's it. Yeah. And like Big E is not, I can't say Big E. I call him a tour. I just call him E. I, I mean, I, if I call him Big call, E Langston. So, yeah. <laughs> could you imagine like, hey. it's funny. I was thinking about that the other day of like, like how like, how Cesaro used to be Antonio Cesaro and then like names just kind of change or they morph into something else. It just doesn't fucking exist anymore. But a lot of people still call Claudio Tony. Tons of people call him Tony. But I told him you don't look like a Tony. No, he's Claudio. That's what I told him. I was like, you look like a Claudio. He's a Claudio. And his response would be, well, you look like an Emilio. Yes, you're, you are an Emilio. Not a lot of people are Emilios. You are an Emilio. It's very incriminating to have that name on Staten Island. Wait, why? Just because it's like if if some let's just say something chicanerous goes down, right? Okay. There's a ton of Anthony's and Sal's <laughs> and Vinny's. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I love a Vinny. I I mean I got a brother named Vinny. Yeah, no, he's the best. But like if you say, well, you know, such and such was hanging out with Emilio, yeah. You know who the Emilio is. You know who it is. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And it's like, oh raspberries. Why do my parents have to name it? Raspberries. Name? Um, but uh, yeah, you know what's funny too? So having a kid and giving a kid a name, that's a whole ordeal as well. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you. Where did the Nora thing come from? So Nora came from so my grandmother, my mom's mom, was Eleanor. Nanny. Yeah, my nanny. My sweet, sweet nanny. Uh was Eleanor. So it was like a, it was paying a little tribute to her with Nora. 
And, but just funny because nobody called her Nora. It was always Eleanor. Like my grandfather called her L or like Ellie sometimes, but like, yeah, it was Eleanor. So part of me kind of wishes that we went full Eleanor and called her that. But as John and I were like kind of rattling off different names that we liked, like I was one of those like total fucking dorks that had um, like a list of names that I would keep in my phone because if you're like reading a book or you're like watching a movie or something, oh, that's a cute name. Oh, I like that. So I had like this whole list. But Nora was one that we both kept kind of coming back to and then it just stuck. But we never call her that. We call her chicken. Like when we call her Nora, it feels so formal. It's it's either just like the baby or the chicken. Well, that's what you told me a while ago. Uh, you were like, you know, uh, my grandmother would always call me Chicky. Yes. Yeah. I call her the babe because the, yeah. that's what you and I refer sure. to her as. Yeah, the babe. So like, but now like chicken sticking with me. So chicken when I seen is, her, it's chicken. So when I seen her today, I was like, hi, chicky. Yeah. You little yeah. adorable little well, chicken. And the reason why we started calling her chicken is because when we first brought her home, the way she would like kind of like nestle down on us, she looked like a little fucking hen. Like she was like this little tiny chicken. So we just, we always have called her chicken. So yeah, I don't know when we will eventually start calling her Nora. Maybe when like Maybe teenage years, it will happen. Right. I, I just hope that we just always call her chicken and you that it just kind of sticks. Will, you, I think you'll do it in the family, like the privacy of the home. And she'll probably hate it. She'll She's stop calling me chicken. She's going to hate it. She's going to hate it. But in, so her middle name is Murphy and I really wanted that to be her first name. I was really into Murphy um, and I got to keep it as her middle name, but like, because it's so, we- it just feels foreign to call her Nora. That I'm like, do I just call- start calling her Murph or Murphy? And the thing with Nora that's funny is, that it, which is a good thing, but also sort of a bad thing, is that there's no nickname for it. Nora. What do you say, Nori? Like seaweed? Yeah, you could. But that's not cute. Or Nor. I don't know. Well, you have to let her find her own like nickname eventually. Well, like, she has. It's when- the chicken. Well, you call her the chicken, but eventually she's going to develop a personality. She, yeah, she's a she's a little bossy boots, this kid. Right. So you might want to call her bossy boots. You never know. Like little the, bossy this, boots. Something will happen one day where it, it will click and she'll have this like whole other personality. Yeah. This whole life without you. Oh my god. But not in a way that it's bad, but like Yeah, she's she's like, gonna have like friends, friends and like all that shit. Yeah. So yeah. her friends will probably have a different nickname for her. That's true. They're not know? gonna call her chicken. No. I mean I'll I pay them off been, and they give I'll give you like a little bit of money, call right. her chicken. Everyone keep calling her chicken. Right. Put them on the <laughs> <laughs> she would be in like deep, deep therapy would, for years and years to come from this. What would your friends call you though? Nay. Right. Nay, nay, nay. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of it. Well, my nickname for you is the boss. Thank God. Finally, someone calls me the boss. I, I introduce you to everybody when we have to do text message stuff. It's the best. My guys, meet the boss. I'm the boss. That's me. Uh, wear it loud and proud. That's it. Um, okay. So I wasn't intending on getting in a whole name conversation, but that's just how we're going. What I was going to talk about was, um, how in the past month or so, how much naked and afraid I've been watching. So this is all like, still, you guys were here last night. As soon as you guys left, John and I are like back to naked and afraid. It's all we fucking watch. And I know this show came out many, many years ago and I never cared for it. I never really watched it. It was whatever. But now that I'm stuck at home, I'm like on the couch. We're not really doing that much because it's hot as all hell in Vegas. There's nowhere to really be. So there's been a lot of television watching and Naked and Afraid has been the thing. And um, I would just like to publicly state that I would be god awful on that show. Could you do it? No, there's, there's certain things that I know I can play up to my strengths. Which are like what? You know, wearing Jordans with the proper fit of, of denim. 
That will get you nowhere on Naked and Afraid. No. Uh, doing yoga. Yeah. That, lifting that, weights. I mean, uh, no. The weights. No. Being physically fit is one thing going into Naked and Afraid. Like you want endurance. But I actually think you do well because you don't eat a ton. I don't. So like you would be okay for that. Like we were watching it the other day and there was like this jack dude with fucking like traps up to his ears. I was like, that guy's going to quit in like a day because he eats every two hours. You can't, you can't go on naked and afraid and need to eat every two hours. You would fucking die. No, I did the intermittent fasting when I traveled to Chicago on Wednesday. Yeah. I didn't eat for almost 36 hours. Oh, how? Why? Like, I feel like guys are better at that than girls are. I can't do that. I'm, I'm like a fucking bodybuilder. I need to eat every three hours. I'm starving all the time. I don't want, I just have no desire to put food in my system as much as like, I did it for a while. Have you always been like that? No. When I was um, about like three years ago, I was doing a six meals a day thing. I was like at 195 pounds. Yeah. And I was just like, I walk into my gym one day and my, my gym owner goes, Milio. Because he's got traps up to his ears too. Come here. What? You look like shit. I was like, thanks. When you were eating a lot? Yeah. Okay. Because I was just just round mass. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like how do you get big, bro? How do you get big? Sure. Gains, gains, gains. Yeah. I can't imagine you being like that. I'll show you. I got to find the photo I'll show you too. I can't even imagine it. So like, then I just started doing um, yoga and intermittent fasting and, and all the, the vegan shit. Doesn't that fuck up your metabolism though? Oh, my metabolism is probably fried. That's the thing that like I worry about. So like I, I mean, my diet obviously got thrown off with being pregnant. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Yoked. Look I at you. Who's the, who's the fucking guy behind you? Oh, that's my buddy, Frank. Jesus, Frank. He's bigger now. Jesus. What's his deal? He's big boy. Holy fuck. Yeah. Get it, Frank. <laughs> yeah. Look at you guys. It's a bunch of jacked dudes. Yeah. But, uh. My diet got thrown off being pregnant, obviously, because you're eating different things. And all I wanted to eat was peanut butter sandwiches. And that's pretty much what I did eat. Um, but now getting back to it, I need to get back into like the high protein, low carb, because that's when I really noticed a change in my body. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to carbs. do that. I love, I love carbs. Because you know me. I eat twigs and berries. So I'm literally predominantly carbs. Yeah. And it works for you. But yeah, it's like getting my, it's getting my metabolism back to where it needs to be. Not, my metabolism's always been like pretty good, but- I do. Yeah. It's like staying on it to like adjust it. So if I wasn't eating a lot. Because you are messy in the kitchen. I am. That's me. Buy my book on Amazon right now. Could you be the the gatherer of like certain like plants and the berries? Because they give you a book, right? And they tell you what's poisonous and what's not poisonous. Uh, I know. I don't think they do. Because they do it on the naked and afraid of love. Naked and Afraid of Love is a rotten ass show. I would fail on that immediately. It's terrible. I would I would so fail. So John and I tried to watch it. We went to put it on and we put on the pilot episode of it that lasted what I felt like was six fucking hours. Terrible. And it was just introducing one person after another, after another, after another. There's too many people. I, was like, How are, I, I literally fell asleep, woke up and I was like, oh my God, they're still introducing people? What's going on? It was like Batman versus Superman. Yeah, I, I just, I couldn't do it. So I, I couldn't watch it at all. But I think because Naked and Afraid of Love is not so much about the survival. It's about the love connection. So they're kind of giving people a little tee up, like the beginnings of um, of shelter, things built for each of them. So like, that's some bullshit. So on Naked and Afraid, you got to find your own things. You've got to build your own. Like it's, yeah, you got to do all your own shit. All right. So if you and John get dropped in the middle of a- f- We would be, we'd be dead. We would die. Why? Well, he, he's a man that would take a stick- and go into the ocean no. and try to hunt for uh-uh. fish. Nope, he wouldn't. Why? No, because John's terrified of the ocean. He's very afraid of but the ocean. But he has to eat. So John is a world-class sufferer. He could easily <laughs> he could easily go through there and like he could be like you where he doesn't have to eat all the time. When I'm not like that. Like he knows him and I first started dating, 
we'd be on the road. We'd be leaving like raw driving onto SmackDown and I would start to lose it. I'm like, I need to fucking eat something right now. And he's like, have a granola bar. Like you want me to just go eat it, like get food from like seven 11. I'm like, no, I need like, a, I need like real food. We need to find something hot. I need it, which like is not conducive to traveling at 11 PM uh, in like, you know, the South somewhere. Like it just is not going to happen. But now he knows to avoid my hanger of like, do we need to get something right now? Like what's your level? Do we need to eat right now? Or can you wait like an hour? Which I usually cannot wait an hour. So what you're telling me is the Moxley goods yeah. would fail on Naked and Afraid. Yes. We would, we would quit. For I refuse to believe this because he has a bevy of weapons at his disposal. He can carry one yeah, weapon Yeah, but when does him. he ever have to use them? But he has to have- he, he never employs them. But if he's going into the rainforest to live for how many days? <sighs> he's never hunted anything in his life. I don't think he it's could do it. It's baptism under fire. I don't know. I just don't know. John would do better than I would, 100%. But he would need to be paired with someone that could like kind of take him and lead him and be like, this is what we need to do. This is how we're going to start the fire. If somebody gave him the directions on what to do, he could do it. Did they give you, because in Naked and Afraid of Love, they give you the flint thing? Yeah, yeah, the fire starter. Do you get the fire starter on Naked and Afraid? So it depends. So- each time when they land somewhere, it's like you, they either have like a pot, the fire starter, a machete. And I think there's something else too. Maybe and are you like allowed one, one item that you bring for yourself? Yeah. But it's always like the same thing. It's always either like a pot. Like sometimes they get like a net or they've brought like some rope or something like every now and then there's like some different rogue materials like that. But usually it's like a pot, a fire starter or a machete. There is sometimes that like they'd be like, oh, I got like a bow and arrow. There, one motherfucker brought on a slingshot like he's fucking Bart Simpson and shit. How Terrible. is that going to help you, bro? The, the chick that he was with was like, are you for real right now? Like he pulled it out and she's like, are you 12? Yeah. You brought a fucking slingshot. And now imagine doing this naked. So now, the like, naked is my no, 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 not is even, the least of my concerns. No, no, because it, you would be with your husband. But imagine, even if I wasn't, the naked part would not face me. Fine, but imagine you're naked and this fucking idiot pulls out a slingshot. I, I would be furious. <laughs> yeah, because you need to eat something, and if you're in like the jungle, like we were watching one the other day where um, you dropped off in Alaska. Like being in the cold, that's unrealistic. There's no, like that you couldn't do. So like I would fail. But they were cold naked. They were naked and afraid in Alaska. Yes. Um, and oh, this, brother definitely had to have shrinkage. Well, that's exactly what I said to him. Like shrink dink is happening right now. But uh, yeah, the things that would kill me is that I cannot function being thirsty. As soon as I need water, I need water like right then. So if I couldn't just like have a bottle of Aquafina, I would be very upset. Aquafina? What? I don't know. It was just a first name. I, yes, I prefer smart water. I'm a smart water kind of gal. Um, but Aquafina is fine. Um, any water, literally any fucking water. I would be, I would drink like the tap water from this Airbnb. Oh, see, so you would hate me because I've also done like dry fasts. No. How? Why? Why would you do that? Because, What's the benefit? Because you're basically what you're doing is you're reprogramming your body. No, but you yes. need water. Yeah, but if you do it for only like 24 hours, you're good. <sighs> I, it just seems, it seems counterproductive to me. I don't know. Are we really resetting things? Do you feel better after? I mean, I get a little testy. Of course. But yeah, I feel like the chakras like, are aligned. No, they're not. You're just, you're just, you're just testing yourself to see if you can do it. They're little mini tests to see if you can achieve it. Absolutely. Is it actually changing anything in your body? I don't think so. A food one I could see, but to not have water. Because I believe that when your body is in a constant state of digestion, 
it does not give the attention to the other things that it needs to do. I mean, okay, I, I can see that. So if you're but on with this water, so if you're in the Philippines, let's say doing naked and afraid, you're gonna have to literally fast because you got to figure out the terrain, the lay of the land, and then what your position and role will be while you do this. Right. If you're being a hunter and a gatherer, then it's like, all right, well, I have to at least get at least. 24 to 48 hours of this land figured out so that way I can get into my habit and routine of trying to survive. Like for me to not have any water and they find water, they get to that water source. Well, so when they get on, they get, there's like the map inside their little bag and I'll show you like, all right, there's like venomous snakes over here and but who knows how to read a fucking map though? Do you? No, I don't. No, of course not. Why would I need to know that? I'm a GPS brother. Exactly. I don't know how to use, I mean, no, absolutely not. There's no way. And the other side is being too hot. When I'm hot, I'm out. I can't be I can't be thirsty or hot. I would quit 100%. I just think this, I would bring very little to the table but complaining. See, this conversation I think is very eye-opening because you're also now knowing like what your strengths are and what your weaknesses are and you're fully going into your weaknesses and you're embracing them. So you have this unique perspective now. You'd be like, "Listen, I can go there. I can do this, but for the rest of this, we're fucked." So you got to bring you got to bring it. <laughs> well, it makes me almost panic. When I see them get dropped off in like the Sahara somewhere and they're like, we need a water source. And they're like, we're getting dehydrated. We're sweating out all this extra like water from our bodies. Like that stresses me out. If I'm stuck in traffic and don't have a bottle of water with me, like I start to lose my mind. Maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I need water too much. Maybe am I like pre-diabetic? I don't know. No, you just, your body has a certain level of hydration that it needs because you have trained your body to always have more food and always have more liquid. Yeah. Me and John, like you said, we're survivalists. So we can just get on the bare minimum and we'd be fine because we've trained our body. I don't know you guys survivalists. I think you're like sufferists. We don't suffer. He doesn't, but he could. I, I'm bad at that. But just give me some water, please. Give me a snack. Give me some fucking almonds. Like the other day we were driving home from <laughs> give L.A. Give me a sugar cookie. We're dri- yeah, give me that sugar cookie. We're driving home from L.A. And uh, I went to go visit Paige. I was at her house. Then I drove to go meet John at the gym that he was training at. And by the time I got there, I, it had been like hours since I had eaten something. I start to fade. When I've not eaten, like I start to go down. Like you got to pull over somewhere. We stopped at like 7-Eleven. I got some almonds. I smashed a whole thing of almonds. Then I was like, hey, you got to pull over again. I need like actual food. Give me a sandwich. Then I smashed that. And it's it's a it's a bad cycle. Yeah, you're not surviving naked and afraid. No, I, no, no. I'd be kicked off. Your they would PSI hate me. would be so low. Terrible. It, yeah. I, I, I Also, how do they rank that? What do they rank that off of? I think it's it's always that pre-interview thing. So what are your skills? What are your unique set of skills like your Liam Neeson in Taken? <laughs> you know what? I actually think I would be okay at like navigating the terrain a little bit. Like as far as getting in those steps. Granted, I've not done it without shoes on. I've not done it without shoes. That would kill me. But that's the whole thing though. Like me, I'm not trying to sit on the ground, right? And you always see them. They always have like bug bites all over their ass. Yo, you're not biting Brutal. my asshole. No, no. If you have like a, have you seen the moments where like a, a fucking bug crawls across your taint? Like, no, thank you. I flip out when I get a mosquito bite on my ankle. Yeah. Having it on like your pee hole would be. Could you imagine no, no, no. that? No. Listen, my twigs and berries. Yeah. Are not going to get bit up. <laughs> These are not for. Bug consumption. No, I don't want that. No, that's a lot. 
It's yeah. It, like it, and just like sleeping at night, like having like the snakes there. It, there's so many different things that just it's just not for me. But I love to watch it. I'm really into it. Which is fine. I used to love watching the real world when I was a kid. Doesn't necessarily mean I wanted to do it. This was a fun episode. Dude, it's always a blast just to talk to you. It's nice to just have a little chit chat. This is what Oral Sessions is about. Just a conversation. A deep dive onto Naked and Afraid um, and Bad Breath. That's it. Both things I don't want anything to do with. And uh, Committed Canoodles. And Committed Canoodles. Yeah, I love a Committed Canoodle. Maybe the next time we do the Renee and Emilio show, we'll actually talk about the origin story of how we became besties. Oh, that would be great. Let's do that for the next episode. Done, done, done. That's a little dot, dot, dot for all y'all listening. We'll We'll get into this story. We should have on a, our friend Etor for that. We should, because yeah. he was the bridge. He was the bridge. He was the bridge. It was him. Yeah. He was the bridge. Yeah. I actually remember the first time I talked to you, uh, but we'll get into it in another yeah. episode. So listen, if you want to see the interview with Renee and Etor, you can go to our YouTube channel. You can oh, subscribe. look at Oral the plug. Sessions. This guy's a professional, everybody. I learned from the best. He's a professional, yeah. So go there, uh, click on subscribe. If you're not, smash the notification bell. As the kids say, you'll see some really smash cool it. stuff on there. We reached uh, over 100,000 subscribers That's thanks cool. to you. And to you. I mean, you're the man behind the thing. You're like the man behind the curtain. My just dumb face is out there trying to make shit happen. Well, that's why we have to ride your coattails because- <laughs> But it's cool that we got up to 100,000. We we really had our goal set on that and we achieved it. We achieved it. We and did we it. And we started that bad boy. We started it the day before Thanksgiving. It's it's pretty impressive that we've done that. So pat on the back to us. So go there. Subscribe to that. Also subscribe to this podcast. Yes. Write a five-star review. <gasps> Give us a review. I always forget to tell people to That's write a review. That's super important. So if you do that and you say, hey, guys, this is why I love the show. Blase, blase, blah. Do that. Renee will actually give you an air hug yes. while reading the thing. Those make me so happy because, I mean, I have read some of those before and they truly warm my heart. It's okay, baby. They're nice comments. You don't have to be mad. And then when people were writing comments about my book on Amazon, that shit makes me really like, brings a tear to my eye. Number one bestseller. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, God, who saw that coming? It is really cool though. So uh, I do really appreciate any reviews that you guys give, whether it's on the book or on the podcast or whatever, because I know it takes time to do those things. And I feel like um, doing those things is usually somewhere where you want to go on and just be like, this sucks. I don't like this. So it's really cool to see it be such a positive um, space for all of those things. So thanks guys for being cool. Don't be a dick and write something bad because, <laughs> yeah, because we, for you now. we will track down your IP address and then Damn. you'll have to deal with John and nunchucks. Yep. So you've been warned. You've been warned. You heard it here first. Um, thanks for hanging out with us. I'm Renee. This is Emilio. We bid you adieu. This is a chicken, by the way. She says bye. Bye.